there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. So uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, I'm Rachel. Um, we've been talking for the last few weeks about names. And the the names of God, actually, I'm going to do this because who knows how long I'll waffle on for otherwise. Right, let me just do this. We've been talking about names in church an awful lot. We've been talking about uh, nicknames. It's kind of been one of the things that everybody's started their little preachy thing. I don't even know where the timer is on my phone anymore because my brain's all over the shop. Right, should we go with a stopwatch? No, let's do a timer. (laughs) That helps. How long are we doing? Not 30 seconds. 30 minutes. (laughs) Um, right, so, um, yeah, everyone's kind of brought a little bit about a nickname that they might have had or a kind of a reference of who they are, and I, I was thinking about my nicknames that I've had in the past, and I don't really, I don't really like them, so I'm not going to tell you them. There you go. Um, so I thought I'll keep them to myself. A young man called Leo Radford, if he ever hears this, he has a lot to blame for some of the nicknames I carry, but I really don't like them, so I'm not going to share my nicknames. But it made me think about how we come across to different people, the names of God, Uh, A little bit like this, I thought. If if someone says my name to someone, they might know me in different contexts, in different ways. So if I'm my uh, my dad's child, I'm his daughter, and he knows me one way. If if I go into work and I'm a teacher and they know me another way, or if I'm walking around with Pete in Mary Hill, they might know me as Pete's wife. Or, you know, I I get known as by the people that I'm, um, the kind of reflection of how they know me. But the interesting thing about that is that my attributes, my character, who I am, doesn't change. So although my role might change towards these different people, maybe I'm a parent to Joel or Naomi, or maybe I'm a, um, a friend to someone in this room, you know, Actually, who I am, the core of who I am doesn't change. And that's a little bit like God. It it is very similar to God. We have all these names. Um, We've talked about Jehovah Rapha. We've talked about Jehovah Roy. (laughs) Roy. Joe, there's one beginning with an R-O-I, and I can never say it. I'm rubbish with names, hey. I mix all kids' names up at school. It's hilarious. But anyway, he has all these different names, and it can feel like there's many God, like there's many different gods, because he's got all these names, like... But if I compare that back to what I've just said, there's only one Rachel, (laughs) as in me, there's two here tonight, but three even, where's the other one? Uh, There's three here tonight, but actually there's only one version of me. I still have the same core values, I have the same core me. And God is still the same core God, his attributes and his characteristics look the same, but he appears to us through different roles. Um, I remember a story, um, this is a story about how I was a daughter, Um, there's a role that my dad played when I was young, I was probably the same sort of age as Joel, and back when I was about 13, um, the ice skating rink in Birmingham by... um, the Chinatown used to have a bit of a reputation. It wasn't the best place to go as a 13-year-old girl. And I decided that I was going to go there with some friends. And I told my parents that I was going. I gave them enough information so that they felt that I was safe, but not quite enough information for them to stop me from going. Because I knew they'd stop me from going if they knew I was catching the bus or the train. It was the train. And um, I told them that we were going to be going and that it was all sorted. We made arrangements, blah, blah, and kind of left it a little little bit loose but my mum and dad they're a bit my dad especially is a bit tricksy he always catches me out and so this one time we went off on the train to ice skating we had a great time I was perfectly safe no injuries no harm it was okay 
But when I got back, my dad was at the train station waiting for me. And if you know Mike Waterfield, you know what kind of reception I was about to get. It was very quiet. You didn't hear a word from him other than, Rachel? I knew without a shadow of doubt that I was in the biggest pile of trouble that I'd been in for a long time. And I casually styled it out. I was like, Dad, it's great to see you. Oh, I didn't realize you were picking me up. Like, I styled it out with him and, you know, no one knew the one wiser. But my, me and my dad knew. My dad knew that I was in trouble. I knew that I was in trouble. But my dad had to come along and kind of, I was playing the role of a daughter at this point. My, my character and attributes actually haven't changed. I'm still a little bit cheeky. I'm still a little bit daft. I still kind of want to go and do things that I want to do. Like actually who I am, it's probably still fairly similar actually to some of those characteristics that are there. But you know, it kind of reminded me of another situation which is kind of similar but I had a different role. And my, my characters and attributes didn't really change that much in this situation. This was last weekend. Um, I went to PGL which is not Parents Get Lost but that's all everybody knows what it's called as. PGL with a bunch of students, took a load of year sevens, it was wild. <sighs> rained my feet were wet for three days solid I think I got trench foot but um we took these kids to PGL and we had a whale of a time and we got there on the night and it was that Friday night when it was absolutely like chucking it buckets we've had a hole in our roof because of it it's been marvelous right so chucking it buckets down I've got to slow down I'm getting very excited right <laughs> breathe yeah so it was raining and um we, we had this conversation with the PGL guy and they were like, do you want them to have the hot drinks? Well, year sevens and hot drinks aren't always the best combo, are they? I mean, year nines and hot drinks probably aren't the best combo. But hot drinks and year, it was kind of a bit of a decision. We thought, ah, oh, we'll let them have it. It's cold, it's raining. It'll be nice for them to have a hot chocolate. We thought we'd be nice. It'd be a little bit cheeky, a little bit daring, you know, some of these core attributes to who I am. And um, <laughs> I thought, oh, I'll be fine. They'll, have, they'll be all right. I'll, I'll let them have a go. And the next morning, um, about halfway through breakfast, I have this PGL person come up to me, and I was a trip lead, and they were like, um, can we have a word? I'm like, yeah. Um, we've got a bit of a problem. I said, have we? <laughs> What's the problem? They're like, well, there's normally three buckets of sugar that are full of sugar sachets, and we appear to have none. Somebody in your camp has got a load of sugar. Well, as the day went on, it appeared that behind me, as these trail of kids would follow me around PJ, well, there were these sugar sachets that one of the students were dishing out for them to have sugar shots as they were going around. These little year sevens were high on sugar. So at lunchtime, we decided to do a sugar monitor. So as a teacher, I had to play the part of sugar monitor. We had to stand there, me and my friend Jude, who's amazing. You wouldn't, cross, you wouldn't want to cross Jude's path when she's angry about sugar. And so me and Jude stood there watching and monitor this hot chocolate. It was marvelous. Best half hour of my life. Um, anyway, the sugar was all intact. You'd be pleased to know. However, the jam. The jam went missing. So Caden, rather than stealing sugar, because I found out who he was, because there's always a little bird that sings, right? <laughs> the jam went missing. So rather than sugar shots, they had jam shots. I mean, I'm not sure what's worse. But anyway, kids in year seven, high on sugar. But we had to kind of, I had to play the role of a teacher at that point. I was, I mean, they bent the rules and they still found a way around. But, you know, we, we took the sugar and the, the jam back. It was marvelous. But yeah, so in these two different things, like this, the core attributes of who I am were still the same. I still found that a little bit funny, although I probably shouldn't admit to it. Um, I still found it a little bit funny that my dad turned up and, you know, like I probably shouldn't admit to that either. But, you know, it's a bit of a family joke now. And, and the, who I am remained the same. And I use those two particular stories on purpose. And you'll see why in a minute. Because who I am doesn't really change no matter 
where I am, but although my role and responsibilities might look a bit different. And that's a little bit like God. So we've talked about all these different names and responsibilities that um, God has, but who he is, the core of who he is, remains the same. There's um, a scripture in Hebrews 13, verse 8, that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even if he's living out a different name, Jehovah Shalom, he's your peace, he, the core of who he is, his values and his attributes remain the same. And so this, this is where I come on to the part that we're going to unpick today. And this role that we're going to explore a little bit more is Jehovah Shammah. I think that's how you say it. And it's referenced in Ezekiel. It's only one sentence in Ezekiel 48.35. It's a really small sentence at the end of this massive prophecy. And I'm going to unpick it in three steps because it makes life a bit easier. I'm first going to talk about the context. I'm then going to talk about the promise. And then I'm going to talk about the impact. And so as we move through this um, kind of little tiny bit of scripture... Actually, I hope it unpacks a lot of the prophecy that went before it. So first, the context. Um, the context, the Jews had been in captivity in a place called Babylon for 25 years. And they'd begun to worship, in the Bible it says, idols. And if I kind of translate that for us today, they, they've kind of put things higher than God. Maybe that's money, maybe that's other gods, maybe that's um, different situations or circumstances. They've, they've held them in higher esteem than God. So they were captivated and captured by a way that wasn't God's way. Um, Jerusalem, the temple, and the city, Jerusalem, the city, and the temple was in ruins. However, God's promise to his people still remained. Babylon in the Bible uh, often respect, represents a place or a reflects a place of, or a season or a culture of sin or separation from God. Um, like Sam shared last week, which was a really powerful message. If you've not heard it, I'm sure you can catch up on YouTube. Um, we spoke about how um, Jesus is our righteousness. But actually, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's in Romans 3.23. And I know I used a few silly stories at the beginning of my preach. And, and I use them on purpose because actually, in those moments, kind of the things that I was doing or the things that the students were doing kind of felt fun. It was kind of, it was a bit sweet in a way, like not being funny, like sugar's sweet, like the, the activities and the things that I were up to, going to ice skating without my mum and dad knowing and possibly getting into trouble and all the rest of it, actually felt really quite good at the time. I, I thought it was a bit of an adventure. I thought it was quite an opportunity. And actually, I chose to do it. I chose to step into a space that wasn't a good space for me. I chose to go and do what I knew my parents didn't want me to do, and I did it anyway. And sometimes with sin, like, let's be real, I can choose to step into sin. I can choose to go, you know what, I know that's not right, but I'm going to have a whale of a time over here. Like, and so I choose to step into it, but all of us have fallen short. None of us are held to God's standard, and I think it's wrong of us to, for us to kind of even suggest otherwise. However, the scripture still remains, which is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Even when the Jews were in Babylon, even in those darkest of times when they're captured and they were um, enslaved and that they were in the, the challenges of what was um, a very difficult environment for them, the Lord was still there. Both the father and the teacher are incredibly powerful roles in our lives. They're not always the friendliest. <laughs> I'm not always the most friendly person when I'm a teacher at school. But actually, I can possibly be most, the most caring and the most loving. 
sometimes when we're finding ourselves in sin, when we're finding ourselves in a situation that is away from God, when we're separate from God, to meet God as father or to meet God as the teacher doesn't always feel like the friendliest. Actually, I might want Jesus the brother or maybe I want Jesus the friend or Holy Spirit the comforter. But actually, sometimes I have got to get to know Jesus the, the teacher, Jesus the father. And, and often I need that in my life more often than not, actually, because my character, as I said, and I've been quite honest with you tonight, to stand on the cheeky side of life is quite appealing to me sometimes. I quite enjoy it. I quite like the adventure. I like the risk. I like the, I think I've still got a teenage brain that likes to take risks. And um, I love a zip wire. I, lo I love a risk. I love that adrenaline rush. And I, and I think, <laughs> sorry, did I go off piste? Um, I think my dad would be telling me, look at my notes. Um, <clears throat> I think, actually, God the Father and God the teacher has been incredible to me in my life so many times. There was a time I remember when um, Pete and I, uh, well, I was, Pete wasn't, I was pregnant. And um, we actually lost our baby um, quite early on. And at that point, I needed Jesus the Father. What I wanted was Holy Spirit the Comforter. But actually what I needed was Jesus the Father. And the Father came alongside me and gave me a scripture and a firm foundation to stand on that meant that I didn't wobble and I didn't waver and I didn't lose sight of who he was in my life. And we can come into situations that are dark, that feel like we're blind and we can't see where we're going and we don't know where we're heading. And what we need is Jesus the, fa Jesus the Father, the Father rather, to stand alongside us and help us navigate what is a very difficult path. So we might find ourselves captive to sin, like the Babylonians, when the Jews were in Babylon, sorry. Or we might find ourselves hidden in the darkness like the, the Jews were in Babylon also because of a situation we find ourselves in. Sometimes it's on purpose and sometimes it's by accident. Well, not even by accident, by life circumstances even. I, like, you know, it's not an easy path to tread. When we're living in Babylon, we need a father and a teacher. We need Jehovah Shammah. Je God is there to be help, help us to find our way out. We can feel like we are benefiting in those times. But actually sin has a way of rotting and we don't notice it. So we can choose to live in a path that's kind of eating us in the core of who we are. And it starts to shape and mold our character and our personality. But actually, it, it, it's actually a lie. It's counterfeit. It's false to who we're meant to be. And actually, we have to choose to come and say, God, help me. Father God, help me. Teacher, teach me. The amazing thing about God, and, and I, I love the songs that, that Sam chose tonight because they're so powerful, is Waymaker. And, and it reminds me of the next point I'm going to bring is the promise. So even when they've, the Jews had chosen sin, or even when we find ourselves in the darkest of times, the promise still remains. Father God, the promise, and he holds steadfast to that promise. And the next part of the prophecy that um, Ezekiel's talking about reminds us about the promise that God will never leave us, nor will he forget his promise, even in the darkest of times. In the times where faith, hope, love, and joy all seem the furthest away, when we choose to step into his presence, like he promised the Jews that he would rebuild and he'd reestablish, he promises us the same. He promises us Jehovah Shammah. He is there. So even in the darkest of times, 
even in the hardest of times, even when we've chosen those times and we've gone, God, I don't want you, I'm going to go my way, God is still there. He is Jehovah Shammah. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. There's a promise, and this is one of my favorite Psalms. I used to read it over Joel and Naomi when they were tiny. I still do, but um, <laughs> just, just uh, you don't forget. Um, it says this, Psalm 139, 7 to 12. Where can I go from you, your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light um, will become night around me, even in the darkness, it will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day and the darkness as if it is light to you. We are promised the same. No matter how far away we stray from God, no matter how far God feels away from us, God is always there ready to take us back for us to turn to him and say, God, I want to be with you. God's desire for us is not to leave us where we are. It's not to leave us in the dark of Babylon, in the dark of captivity. It's not to leave us in a place where we're away from him. He wants to restore. He wants to build. He wants us on stable and solid ground. God has a rescue mission for every single one of us to restore us to his plan and his purpose, to a life that he has designed, one where sin and ultimately death doesn't keep us separate from him. For us to us, for us to live our lives full and fulfilled. His promise isn't that we live separate from him. His promise is that we live in, intrinsically inwoven in the plan and the purpose that he has for us. Hebrews 13, 4 to 5 says, and actually the interesting thing about the context of this scripture, if you read it in context, I've pulled it a little bit out here. The bit before this actually talks about like um, cheating on your husband. It actually talks about um, being like worshiping money before God, like the literally the two sentences beforehand. But then it says, God says this, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So even in what seems like the darkest of things, when money has a horrendous grip, like money can be overwhelming, can't it? When we feel like we've got none or when we feel like we've caught in death, debt, it can feel like it's bound and binding it's super tight. But even in those moments, he will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. And I think that's really interesting that that scripture is often taken and it's like celebrated like it's this boing, it's a happy moment. But actually it comes from the depths of darkness. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Uh, this kind of led me on to a question, but like it's all well and good that these are promises, but how does he restore us? Like how does that actually work? Let me get my head around that. So Ultimately, it's through Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that can restore any of us. God came as man who understands us, who died for us, and gave us all the opportunity to be restored. It's, it's a mystery, and I, I thought about trying to unpack it a little bit, but actually, it's a mystery. Like, how does that even work? Like, how does a God fit into a man to then die, to then save me? <laughs> I don't get it. I still don't get it but I believe it and I trust it and I hope for it, right? It's, it's a mystery. It's, it's, it's beyond my comprehension and I hope 
maybe there's people in here that can comprehend it better than me and I know there's people that can articulate it better than me, but I love it. It's my security. It's my sure foundation. It's my father that holds on to me in those times when darkness has surrounded me. I know that I know that there's a God that loves me and understands me. In Hebrews 4, 15 to 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne with grace, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus isn't there condemning us. He isn't holding a big stick over our heads saying, you're no good. You're rubbish. You're not able. You're not good enough. He's actually saying, I get it. He actually gets us. He gets me. He gets you in our unique and uh, peculiar isms. We all have isms, don't we? We all make mistakes. We all fall short. All of us. Not one is exempt from that. But the promise still remains that we can live knowing the freedom of God. So what's the impact of the promise? So what? I get that question asked of me all the time at work. So what? You've done that little activity with kids at school. So what? How did PGL make a difference? So what? Because I've always got to justify myself. So I always find it really important that I answer so what? So we understand the context. Oh, sorry. I'm going to put it on a... A thing of Benny go a bit longer. Um, so what? What does this mean for us today? And this is the final part of the, the prophecy, really, that Ezekiel ends with here. Ezekiel was a given a vision from God, reminding us that God is faithful to his promises, that when he, that he will rebuild the temple that he called, and he is called Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. And the scriptures tell us that the city and the temple... Um, tell us that the city and the temple are rebuilt and that God is there. The New Testament tells us that God has kept his promise, that his promise hasn't been forgotten. So that old Ezekiel promise about the temple being rebuilt hasn't been forgotten. It, it is real. It's happened today. And in Revelations 21.3, it tells us where it is. It says, and I heard a loud voice singing from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and that he will dwell with them, that they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Jehovah Shammah is right here. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not in a city. He's not in a, in a, a people a million miles away. He is right here in the presence of his people, whether that's here in Gornal, whether that's up in Manchester, whether that's over in France, whether that's, it doesn't matter where you put yourself. He is right in the middle of you. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? It's in you. When you step and choose to draw close to God, he comes and draws close to you. When you say, God, I need you, I don't know where you are, I can't see you, I can't find you, I can't feel you, I can't hear you, he is there. He is Jehovah Shammah. In the darkest of darkest situations, whether we got ourselves there ourselves or not, whether we found ourselves in life circumstances that are hard, he is there. He never lets us down. His promise is sure and something to stand on. And when he is there, he promises us three things, more than three things, but these are three things that I wanted to draw out today. He promises us freedom, hope, and purpose. In 1 John 4, verse 4, it's, it's, 
You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because of the one who is greater than the one that is in the <laughs> start again. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. You can overcome any situation, any form of darkness, whether that's the the, the overwhelming sadness that you might feel from a, an experience that you've had recently, or whether that's the loss of a friend, or whether that's a a hope dashed or a dream that you didn't think you'd be able to achieve, whatever that that darkness is, you can overcome that because the one that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. In Hebrews 6, 18 to 20, it talks about hope. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promise of hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right into the very presence of God where Jesus, running ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. We have a hope that we don't ever have to let go of. Sometimes life can feel flipping hopeless. When debt's got his claws in, life feels hopeless, right? When um, job losses are on the horizon, life feels hopeless. But God has a hope that we can grab onto, that we never have to let go of, and that we can ho- hold on to and know that God has a purpose for us. In Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it says God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he has done the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. He has a purpose for us. He's got something crafted for you, designed for you, created for you, especially for you, for no one else. And you better be doing it. (laughs) That's the message version, so it's slightly slightly different. So read it in the NLT or the NIV, which is, takes a slightly different slant, but I, I quite like the fact that I better be doing it. That, can make that, that satisfies my adventure adrenaline rush thing. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, and, and as I just close, I, I want you to ask, you, are you daring enough to let God be your father or your teacher, to listen to his voice and invite him in? I'm going to read Psalm 139 again, and uh, I do this on a morning when I'm driving to work. Um, I, I, it's often on the Lectico thing, if you've not heard about that, that guy that we did something with did it. Um, Lectico, what's his name? That's it. Pete Grieg. Anyway, him, he did it. And I listened to it every morning. You'd think I'd know his name. Um, But one of the things they do is they ask you to listen to a scripture and and listen for the bit that stands out and highlight it to you. So as Sam plays, I'm going to read Psalm 139 again, and I'm going to ask you guys to just listen for what God says. For me, it might be something very different to you, but his promise is sure. And I want you to take that, that highlighted bit whatever that is that stands out to you, to take it away with you for the week and hold on to it as your promise because that was my sure foundation in some of the darkest times. The word of God has been my promise and the sure foundation to hold on to. We can never be too far from God. Jehovah Shammah, he is right there. No matter how far we've fallen, no matter how deep we've got ourselves, no matter how dark the situation feels, He is Jehovah Shammah. He is right there, closer than close, intrinsically woven inside our hearts when we know him. He takes up his place in our hearts. We we don't wait for a temple. We are his presence, comes and lives and inhabits our hearts. So it says, 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even in the darkness, will you not be dark to you? Even in the darkness, will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for the darkness is light to you. He's our way maker, our promise keeper, our light in the darkness. His promises never fail. You are more than enough. Even in your choices, even in your decisions, even in the circumstances we find ourselves in, he is there, Jehovah Shammah, right there. Father God, I just thank you for everyone here tonight. Father, we... We're all in different situations. Some of us find us in the hardest of circumstances where we feel captive to things that we never thought we would do. Some of us might find ourselves in situations that have come upon us that we we feel like we don't know how how you're going to make a way. Father, we, we can find ourselves in the darkest of times, whether that's grief, whether that's loss, whether that's isolation, whether that's the thought of being alone, whether that's debt, whether that's insecurity or underconfidence or the, 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 the overwhelming pressures of mental health and anxiety and depression. God, we can find ourselves in places that feel so hidden from you, so far away from you. And Father, I pray right now that we would feel your presence so close. That we would know you as a way maker in our lives, in our hearts. That we would know you as a a father and a teacher that guides and comforts and brings strength. Who stands and says, that's enough sugar. Who might say, that's enough now. who might say, let me show you a way out. Let me take you home. Don't catch the train. Father, I just pray that you would give us the confidence and the ear to hear you. Father, help us to have the courage to be countercultural in some situations. And choose your way. Jesus, I pray for those that are feeling so quiet in a corner and can't hear your voice right now. Don't even know if you're real. And and, and the concept of you being a heavenly father and being coming to earth and knowing us intimately seems way off. Father, I pray that you would show up intimately. That you would show up and bring... Um, life 
that loneliness and, and isolation wouldn't feel so weighty because they know they have a Father in heaven that adores them, that has a purpose for them, that has a hope and a freedom beyond their wildest dreams. Father, I pray that you would reveal purpose to those that don't feel like they've got purpose. Father God, come and speak now. Let us hear your voice. Let us know you intimately. In your mighty name. Amen.
thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.